Welcome to Life Science Talent Talks. We want to build a community to inspire life science professionals through talent talks and organized events. We aim to shine light on remarkable personalities initially from the Copenhagen Bay Area. My name is Søren Spetterbach. And my name is Neha Mortuza. We will be your podcast hosts. We would like to share personal life science journeys from all the exciting startups, biotechs and farmers out there, creating a life science talent ecosystem. Welcome to the pod, Jeremy, and thank you for taking the time to join us. Happy to be here, Nahar. It's been quite a while since we last met, right? Yeah. You're a senior scientific manager at Novonautics Foundation, and you've been here for five and a half years or so. I so look forward to hearing more about your current role. But the topic of discussion is from academia to philanthropy at Novonautics Foundation. So first, let's go back to your early years. You have a PhD in biochemistry and molecular genetics from University of Virginia. You have a postdoc from the National Cancer Institute, and after which you were awarded the NIH Pathway for Independent Award and Swedish Research Council Project Grant for Young Scientists in Medicine and Health. You rejected both and became a group leader at CPR, that's also a Novo Nordisk Foundation, Center for Protein Research at University of Copenhagen. Would you like to share with us these choices and your life science journey? Yes, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I grew up in Ohio, uh, in the United States. All my education and training was in the U.S. Uh, as a scientist. I've worked uh, for the past 11 years in Denmark, living in Sweden for 10 of those years. Wow. Yeah, I had a, started my, my science career uh, at the university, got a bachelor's in chemistry um, and then a Ph.D., studying gene regulation and the role of chromatin post-translational modifications using budding yeast as a model organism. And then I uh, moved uh, outside of Washington, D.C. to a uh, National Cancer Institute, part of NIH, like you mentioned, where I studied uh, DNA repair and recombination, DNA damage response using mouse genetics, published a few papers, uh, and it really opened the door for me as a scientist to, to stay in academia. But then I took the opportunity to move to Europe uh, to, for a group leader position at the University of Copenhagen, anchored at uh, the NNF Center for Protein Research, where we met. Continued my discoveries uh, from the postdoc and exploring how uh, chromatin-modifying complexes regulate B-cell lymphocyte development and function. So I kind of dabbled in immunology there. And I got some big grants and built a research group and published a few papers, but it was feeling that I was losing the passion for doing active research, you could say. So yeah, after helping my group members uh, move on with their careers, I left academia to take a job here at the Nova Nordis Foundation five and a half years ago. Yeah, I, I really love this job, I have to say. I really feel that they value my past research and international experience uh, in the job, but while, while still supporting me to grow in, in new directions. And I found that that, that has been um, important to me to sort of have the workplace value my past, you could say. Yeah, and so I, I transitioned from being an expert in, in biomedical science to now working in the area of sustainability. And also I learned a lot about here at the foundation about project management and now more recently strategy implementation. I did one summer abroad outside of uh, Madrid, Spain, after my bachelor's, um, working in a lab before going to grad school. And I think that opened my eyes to life and possibilities outside of the United States. Mm -hmm. 
And then deciding to leave academia, I would say, was a key choice. Although, even though I didn't know what was coming next, but I could say that on that, my realizations, realizing that I, I do have numerous transferable skills, that I can and should be confident in my own abilities um, moving forward. And also just the simple fact, if I'm not happy in a job, then just change jobs. It's easy to say than do. And as you know, we're both from academic backgrounds and it is really a tough, sometimes it's quite a struggle to, to leave academia because especially when you are enjoying and thriving in your work and you spend so much time in the field and you're the expert in the field, that's also quite daring to, yeah. to jump to some unknown. Yeah, after working so hard at something exactly. for so many years. <laughs> <Yep>. <clears throat> So what was it like then, your transition to the foundation? Nova Nordisk Foundation, we're an independent foundation with corporate interests. It all started with insulin. In the 1920s, uh, a Nobel Prize winner, August Crow from Denmark, took a, a travel, as they do, Nobel Prize winners, uh, to Canada, and where they uh, recently discovered insulin. And he brought back the rights to produce it for patients with diabetes in the Nordics. And as part of that deal, while establishing the, what we now know as the company Novo Nordisk, I had to set up a foundation that would give back a portion of the proceeds back to society. So NNF owns the majority of, of both Novo Nordisk and Novozymes, and that's where we get our, the majority of our funds for grant giving. We have a board that makes decisions on the grant giving, giving a mandate to our numerous committees who fund the research in open competition. There are currently right now about 170 employees at the foundation, which is a big difference from the three that were employed just 13 years ago. So we're, we're really on a, a maturation and, and growth uh, journey. can mention in 2021, the foundation granted 8.8 uh, billion Danish kroner, which is about 1.2 billion euros. We published this 2030 strategy last March mm -hmm. with the vision to improve people's health and the sustainability of society and the planet. Yeah, we, we're a philanthropy that supports uh, scientific, humanitarian, and, and social causes. Like I mentioned, we, we award grants in open competition, like I mentioned, but also as standalone grants, like, uh, like a strategic research center, like mm -hmm. uh, the NF Center for Protein Research, for example, or, or in partnership uh, with government, like the Steno Diabetes mm -hmm. Centers, um, or partnering with other foundations, like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And in our new strategy, we have uh, three focus areas, health, uh, which is maybe an obvious one but also sustainability, and also, uh, thirdly, life science ecosystem. Now working in more of the sustainability area, which we have four themes, sustainable agriculture, sustainable food, high-impact climate mitigations and technologies, and supporting society in the green transition. So we acknowledge that it's not only research and technology that's going to transform our society and our planet, but we also have to change minds. Mm-hmm as well. And there needs uh, and, uh, research to do that. So to meet these ambitions, and in a, yeah, we're going to increase our grant giving within the sustainability area in the coming years. And I can mention that Denmark is the center of gravity, as we say, mm -hmm. uh, for our grants, but we are, will continue to internationalize more and more partnering, collaborating, granting activities outside of the Nordics. I think that it's appreciation over the last years that to solve the world's uh, difficult societal mm -hmm. challenges, we, we have to partner and collaborate mm -hmm. and do this together. Denmark is a very small country. Sure. Thank you so much for introduction of Novo Nordisk Foundation and what you have done and where, what you're doing. I'd, actually, I'd like to hear more about 
what is your current role? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. So my role has changed um, since I've been here. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I was hired into a, you could say, cross-cutting department that developed strategic standalone grant initiatives, where my focus was mainly in the biomedical science area, which is my background, understandably. And then a few projects veered me into the sustainability area. Mm-hmm. Um, and then about a year ago, I changed departments and, uh, for a focus on sustainability. So right now, as you mentioned, I'm, I have this role as senior scientific manager, which has kind of two areas. One is to help oversee the implementation of the sustainability strategy mm-hmm. of the foundation together with my uh, supervisor. And then the other is to continue doing what I was doing, developing strategic initiatives, but within the sustainability area. So I can just mention a few. Yeah, that would be great. Can you give us a few examples? Yeah, yeah. So regarding the, the strategy implementation, this is all about bringing people together internally and, and kind of aligning on a common purpose. As I mentioned, we have the strategy framework that we published last March, and we have lots of new grant giving ideas. But how can we forecast our grant giving and have an overview of it internally here to inspire uh, you know, what reaching our ambitions? How can we share information on kind of what's what ideas uh, are bubbling up into, you know, new developing initiatives and how can we build a in-house synergy across the relevant areas? So this is kind of some of the, the, the tasks that I'm working on. We call ourselves a project centric organization. So how do we how do we build synergy and, and sort of rally everybody for this uh, sustainability area? The strategy implementation kind of work for me is you could say it's it's more kind of internal stakeholder management. So we have these different program areas in the foundation. I'm situated, I didn't mention this, but I'm situated in this biotechnology mm-hmm. uh, program area, which kind of handles agriculture and food and biomanufacturing. But we also have program area in education and outreach, yep. a program area in innovation, program area in, in natural and technical sciences, all of whom have, have a stake and our interest and ambition within the sustainability area. And all are talking to different external stakeholders, universities and, and societies and yeah. companies. But my role is more to have a generate an overview of what is cooking, what is bubbling up, what are the new ideas that are bubbling up that are may become initiatives so that people in the house are aware of them. And maybe we can actually foster some internal synergy and make develop projects that are even better than they were. Super. And then I can just mention, if you, if you like, the other area, the other focus area is on building, um, developing new tools and, and grant instruments for mission-driven research mm-hmm. and innovation. We, the foundation has funded large research centers, some of which are mission-driven, that are kind of a half a billion or one or two billion Danish corner. Can you explain what you mean by mission-driven? In my mind, I define it as kind of starting with the end in mind at the start. Okay. So having a, an achievable outcome goal at the start, at the onset of the, mm-hmm. of the project, at the establishment of the, of the research example? center. For example, uh, the Cork Research Center, the CO2 Research Center that the Northern Artists Foundation is, is funding <clears throat> that's based in Aarhus University. Okay. You can look on the website, but it kind of has a rather tangible mission to support and, and develop technologies that can capture carbon and utilize it for different energy sources. And you can say that, you know, there's a role for, you could say fundamental research, bottom up. This is kind of stepping back for a second, but a role for fundamental research, blue sky research. Mm-hmm. There's to 
tackle the challenges of our time, um, I'm convinced also that there's a place for mission-driven research where we, we need to, in order to sort of solve the big challenges, we, we need to have certain goals set in front of researchers and innovators who, who want to tackle that to ensure that we, we can get through this green transition, you know, yeah, yeah, realize the green transition. You know, as part of my role, in, we have these kind of mission-driven research centers that are kind of large missions, you could say. Mm-hmm. But what about smaller or medium-sized missions? Such as? Such as simply, you know, putting a crop on the field, you know, a certain, okay. a certain breed of crop or mm-hmm. it doesn't require maybe a billion Danish kroner to do that, but it's as an example. And how does the foundation then, how do we, how do we work with that? How, how should we work with that? Maybe it's not a center, but maybe it's a donation you know, or, or a portfolio of projects yeah. that can withstand some risk. I really like the work that's carried out here in the, at the foundation. And there's another part that I really think is very important is the education and health equity. Can you say a bit more about that? Yeah. Yeah. The foundation in its new 2030 strategy, we have these three areas, health, sustainability, life science ecosystem. So within the health area, <clears throat> one of the themes, one of the four themes is health uh, inequity. And yeah, it's related to social and humanitarian yeah, work related to, uh, largely related to the prevention of cardiometabolic diseases. Mm. And we're exploring if partnering with, with other areas around the world to, for example, train nurses or, or doctors. And we're also just scratching the surface, also including food and food security in that as well. But that's just kind of when we published the strategy last March, it was kind of developed before the war in Ukraine. And kind of the world changed there, and, and we are, we have to sort of rethink some of our activities in the context of the of the strategy framework. So I think food security will be part of this kind of health inequity uh, theme as well. Thank you for that. I was just wondering, like on a daily basis, if we try to understand, like what's your normal Tuesday like is like? What would you say you find most energizing in your work? Yeah, I would say that I like working on complex projects with a, if possible, generous time frame, but that, that requires um, listening to an, an alignment from different folks. Um, I, th- I find that challenging and I, f- I think I have the patience for that. I also like bringing diverse people together for a common purpose or goal and, and creating um, a, an aligned framework or plan for action that could be at the project level or or at the department level or, or cross department level. Mm-hmm. But I think diversity in scientific disciplines and mm-hmm. sectors and in cultures and races, um, diversity and, and multi-stakeholder partnerships, people call them, I think are key to solving the challenges of our time. And I also like being the lead on projects. I like feeling the sense of responsibility and that's motivating to me. Mm-hmm. Cool. And then I'd have to ask you, what do you find quite challenging or draining? For me, it would be, um, I think, collaborative tasks when my role in the process is not clear. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> we've all been there. <laughs> yeah, we've been there. For, so maybe you, you, you want to do a good job or you want to deliver, but maybe there's not enough resources allocated or, or you're not sure which of your expertise you're, you should deliver and, and when. 
and when you should bring it. So I always aim to have my role in, and these aspects clear from the beginning, whether I'm yeah. you know, leading something or, or participating, yeah, collaborating. Super. Thank you. So going back to your thematic subject of uh, moving from, the, making the transition from academia to the foundation, to a philanthropic organization, what would you say was your, like, what surprised you or what was a key learning from there that you would like to share with our podcasters? There's really many learnings. I mean, we touched upon it earlier that, you know, you've been, an academic researcher has been working so, you know, very hard in, in, in a competitive environment for many years, training and developing your research program. And I found it to be very difficult to just to step away from that yeah. because I invested so much of my life to that. And my, my scientific career, you could say part of my identity in, mm -hmm. in some ways. Mm -hmm. um, so that was part of the process, kind of unzipping myself in a sense that, you know, I've had through that process, you know, many, you could say feathers in my hat, yeah. uh, you know, about transferable skills, how to design experiments, how to troubleshoot experiments, how to read and be critical about scientific literature, how to manage people, manage projects, um, give talks, network at conferences. And those, all those are very valuable, transferable skills. All those are very valuable. How to communicate with scientists, just how to, you know, how to... Not just how scientists, to relate, how to communicate with scientists and others. And others, of course, yeah. Yeah, so... So it's just kind of, yeah, kind of re realizing that, acknowledging those and applying them in a different direction. Yeah. And I realize it might, it might not be the first job or second job, mm -hmm. but, you know, eventually, you know, you're getting, you're getting... You find your path. Yeah, you find your path. But were there any surprises, like from academia to this foundation, thinking, wow, I could do this really well. Oh, I never, you know, discovering yourself as well as a yeah. person, as a, as a scientist. I think one thing I was, I mean, there was a couple of things that come to mind. Just one was that it, it surprised me how, how strongly I identified as a, as a scientist, as academic researcher, yeah. how, how hard that was to sort of break that down, let go. <laughs> I and, know. and then the other thing was... Um, but when I came to the foundation was that I'm still using my scientific you know, knowledge, but I get the chance to look a bit more further into the future on a wider spectrum of science mm -hmm. that I wouldn't have had the chance to, or, exactly. or I feel like definitely within my research group, you know, job. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, maybe at the department or faculty level, you know, you mm -hmm. can have, you know, strategies there. But that was also, that was exciting to be, to sort of, be passionate about something different, completely yeah, different. Yeah, be passionate about something completely different and know that you can read the scientific papers and, and go into the details and, yeah. and, and know how they did those experiments and have an opinion about them. And I still do that sometimes, but to sort of take a more of a helicopter view and say, how is a field progressing and how do we build collaboration, potential collaborations or fund potential research collaborations that could move a, a field? Mm -hmm. That that, that was... Um, yeah, yeah. I think it's fantastic that we don't realize sometimes that you can, you can not only deep dive to something specific, but you could also zoom out and see the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. And to be able to explain that to different groups of audience, it's, yeah. it's also a very valuable skill yeah. set that we do acquire, but yeah. we don't realize it until later on. Mm -hmm. And I would say there's a lot of sort of zooming out yeah. in, in the work here, but yeah. <laughs> there are, there are of course, folks, scientific managers, et cetera, that, that uh, keep very close contact with the researchers and industries to know the nitty gritty. Okay. Well, I think 
we should wrap up soon. And I hope Matt Skogard Thompson, the CEO of the company, is listening to this because one of the strategy is to build a life science ecosystem. Right. And here we are trying to build a life science talent ecosystem because you will need these scientists and talents to continue with the good work, right? <laughs> So I would like to say the take-home message to our podcasters listening in. I would say to the listeners that in terms of career development, there's no wrong path that everybody's on their own journey. That as long as you're developing it in the right direction, making, you know, having a career path that's making you closer to more happiness, each and every person is on their own path. Been in academia for a long time and it's not working out. Be honest with yourself. Be brave. Life is too short, I would say. There's a world of possible jobs out there. We touched upon this. You have many transferable skills and, and your skills are in great demand. And this learning has really taken me from sort of biomedicine to the sustainability area, which was definitely not on my radar yeah. earlier in my career. But now I feel sort of newly energized as being part of this movement. Yeah, I would say no, there's no wrong path. Super. Well, thanks for being part of our podcast and thanks for the listeners who still stay tuned in. And that's it. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> it's okay. Thanks for listening to Life Science Talent Talks. Hope this has inspired you. If so, we encourage you to join us on our LinkedIn group where you can help us shape this life science talent community and continue the discussion. Please see all the relevant links in the description. Bye.